Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of One Day Closer to Dead. I am Dave Beaudry. And I am Jason Bailey. And Jason, how is life? Oh, it's just about as great as I explained it before we started recording. That much bad, has changed. Huh? That bad, buddy. Yeah. Uh, I just, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just, I'm fucking worn the fuck down, dude. Like, it's, uh, it's one of those things where I was like, am I getting sick? Do I got a bout of the cotton candy? What the hell's wrong with me? And it's, I think it's just, you know, bitch, you're 46 years old and you need to get more sleep soon i think that's really all it is but uh yeah i'm here and uh if you can make it i sure as shit can make it so can, can i chime, do this goddamn thing can i chime in on what i think is wrong with you what's up buddy yeah uh, you're right we don't have that much time in the show we don't um, we absolutely don't if, if you're getting into psychological oh shit we got tons of problems here let's let's talk about your relationship with your mother jason <laughs> my mother I, i'll tell I you about know. my mother I'm and then you hear a gunshot well, we've got a lot to say about gunshots today, but uh, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Me, I'm just trying not to projectile vomit all over the laptop, so let's hope that uh, we can we can make it through the next hour Dozens, or aren't you that. happy you fucking tuned into this? Isn't this an uplifting beginning to this show? All fucking ready. This is great. We are a box of fluffy ducks. Neither one of us have slept. I've got a migraine. You've got... All Life. the many things wrong with you. Uh, yeah. So, Jason. Maybe, uh, maybe it makes them feel better that they're not alone. Maybe you're sitting in your car listening to us right now. Maybe you're getting ready to go to bed. Maybe you're just, you know, shirking duties at work. Who knows? But uh, we're right there with you, folks. We're right there with you, dozens, and the misery that is called life. Well, yeah, my, my head's ready to pop off my neck. So let's talk about feedback, Jason. Uh, mm. Is there any that you would like to discuss before we get into the business of the week, of which there is quite a bit? Well, uh, the the feedback really is, first of all, you know, I want to say uh, thank you for listening. Louisville, Kentucky. Louisville is our number one city for listenership. So thank you very, very much. We do appreciate that. Uh, we have all the uh, usual suspects up there. But uh, just want to give a shout out there. Very loyal city to us. And um a few of you actually commented on the timekeeper's email last week, which was very poignant and telling and depressing and dark. And uh, yeah, uh, just about where we're going with this um, civil cold war, I guess that's what a lot of people are talking about it uh, as. And it was it was a lot of you saying that you agreed 100% with the 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 timekeeper but at the same time uh, there's just not a whole fuck ton we can do about it so it's a lot of just accepting fate and uh boy this is gonna fucking suck let's just get in the bunker with our budweiser and watch it all go to hell i think there's a lot of yes we understand we see it just like the timekeeper sees it but um there's a was a lot of defeatism with that feedback going, you know, we can talk about it all we want, uh, but nothing's going to change. Uh, we are all going to die. Uh, so maybe we should start the dying. It's very interesting uh, how this all went. And we had another person comment and say, if you do a dumpster fire this week, which you always do, you never let us down there. Uh, can it just not be about politics? Is there any way that we could leave all the politicians out of this one? So, there was a little bit of feedback on on that, but um, quite a bit uh, also well, coming up. Life took fire. care of that one, as <clears throat> yeah. uh, 
Apparently, fate was listening because there is a subject that is, for the most part, not politically motivated in any way, shape, or form, and um, circumstances pretty much demand that we talk about it. So, yay, I guess? Well, they wanted to hear about this more than anything because we got inundated when this event went down. Any other feedback, Jason, or is that uh, is that pretty much cover the basis? I think that covers it. Uh, that's as much energy as I have to explain it. All right. Well, you ready to uh, kick the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy? Certainly. That sounds good. Sounds wonderful. Let's do it. All right. The world is a fucking dumpster fire, Jason. I don't know if you were personally aware of that fact. I am highly aware due to the ongoing weekly education from this program. Really? Oh, yeah. wow. Did, did you happen to know why? Because it truly fucking is. So, you know, a lot of times we try to start this segment with a bit of a wisecracker, a bit of a, you know, just a little bit of sizzle for the steak. I, I don't have a lot of that in me today for, you know, reasons we've already kind of addressed, but also because the incident itself, I don't think really lends itself well to levity. Um, so let's just, you know, not really even do a, a hint or a lead in and just get to the fucking issue. So there was an onset shooting. In New Mexico, several days ago, on the set of an independent film called Rust, where Alec Baldwin fired a weapon uh, during a rehearsal that had what is sounding like a real bullet in it. And, and the terminology really matters here, which we will talk about momentarily. The, the term live round has been thrown around a bit, but that has a little bit of a different terminology on a set compared to off of it. We'll get to that. But for, for total clarity, it is sounding like at this moment, it was a real bullet that was in that firearm that discharged and killed uh, the cinematographer uh, Helena Hutchins. That same round uh, went into the shoulder of uh, director Joel Souza, and uh, injured him. He, I believe, should be making full recovery. Um, you know, I'm not sure about any issues with his, you know, I believe he was hit in the shoulder. I'm not sure if he's going to have any long-term damage there or not. But, you know, he's fully expected to obviously survive. Um, the There's a lot to say here. Obviously, we have to break down kind of how it might have happened, who's at fault, of which there's many. And the absolute, I mean, no pun intended, the dumpster fire that existed on that set leading up to this incident for weeks up to it in advance. Uh, we'll get to all that. Uh, Jason, is there anything you would like to say off the bat? And then we'll we'll start breaking this down for the dozens. Because I think this is going to be a kind of a, a big chunk of what our show is today. Because, holy shit. Yeah. When, when I, um, I usually wake up in the morning get a huge fucking pot of coffee going and then just start goddamn consuming that caffeine along with seeing how fucked up the world is in the morning. I'm a news junkie. Unfucking fortunately, I really am. And I clicked it on and sat there and the fucking headline popped up last week, right in the morning. It was obviously what everyone was talking about, about Alec Baldwin, the ticker on the bottom of the damn thing said Alec Baldwin fatally shoots cinematographer on film and i'm sitting we'll there talk about the coffee. salaciousness of we'll talk i'm sorry jason we'll talk yeah. about the salaciousness of those headlines too but continue yeah and I, so i'm sitting there and i almost drink my coffee and i just had to stop and i just was like hold on i'm awake or i'm asleep what 
Hold on. And I'm looking at the thing again and again. And like they're talking, but it's so early in the morning. It takes me about four hours to wake up, folks. It really does. And it all just sounded like, you know, in the peanuts, the, all the adults. Wah, 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 wah. And I was just reading this again and again, like Alec Baldwin shot someone. What? And then as I started to digest it, this information that they were just throwing up in my head, I was like, you remember last week? When I said one of the most surreal moments of my life was when I woke up and said, William Shatner goes to, actor William Shatner goes to space. Okay, scratch that. This was brand new. I was like, Alec Baldwin fatally shoots cinematographer. Hold on, what? And as it went on, let me tell you what the surreal part was, what the weird, bizarre, odd, crazy part of this whole thing is. For a lot of you out there, I think that aren't, and by the way, I, this sounds kind of naive, I guess, because a lot of you that listen to us are in L.A. based, and a lot of you are highly savvy about the industry, and a lot of you are in the industry, believe it or not, that listen to us. But I think for a lot of you that listen to us that have never been involved in the movie business carnival circus carny thing we call show business out there on, on sets, the surreal part of that came from that there had been a fatal shooting not that it was alec baldwin at all it was i just kept sitting there going how did that fucking happen how did this happen and i the more information that i received and then throughout that day within a couple hours the dozens just it was off the fucking hook how how much was being sent to us asked to us texts were going off emails were going off and many people in the industry including both omar and kike were contacting go did you hear about this do you know anything i don't and there were so many people involved in the industry that listened that we were piecing together things faster than what was happening on the news i uh, was getting i was getting secondhand accounts from people who knew people that worked on that film um mm -hmm. And the people that worked on that film were very quickly, and I don't say, when I say the term leaking, I don't mean that in a negative context. I'm just not sure how else to describe it. We're very quickly leaking information to the press, either sometimes and not mostly anonymously, but other times not anonymously. Um, so information started coming very fast uh, in regards to the things that had led up to that incident. Faster than normal, even, I would say, necessarily, just because of the level of rightful outrage that that this had occurred and how it had occurred and why it had occurred. Um, anyway, continue, Jason. Well, it was interesting. You are right. I mean, the information just started just being passed around like a free crack pipe in prison. I mean, it was going quick. And what was interesting about it is that sets, I think Kike was on a set somewhere in either Argentina or Chile, and they, they just stopped. Everything stopped because they had, obviously, he was going to be using guns that day. And all of a sudden, the industry that day, within hours, started having philosophical conversations as to, do we even need to use blanks anymore at all do we need to use anything that produces an explosion on set at all we can get into that pretty soon but what i was trying to say is so many of the dozens are in the industry in a way and but there's a lot that aren't and and i guess i'm addressing you is the weird part about this and i mean this ladies and gentlemen is it is fucking bizarre that there has been a shooting a real shooting from what appears from everything I'm reading and getting from people, an actual bullet has killed somebody on a movie set. Because when you're there, and I know Dave's going to go into it 
like indepthly, uh, it just can't happen. It just cannot happen if all procedures and protocols are followed. They're fairly simple. And I want you to think about this real quick, Dozens, before I hand it back to Dave. I really want you to catalog this question in your head and think about it. How many times when you're watching television or you're watching a movie um, do you see guns being used? Because I'll tell you, they're so fucking predominant that as an actor in New York, you start out doing Greek theater and Shakespeare and, you know, Mammoth and shit like this. By the time you start making money in Hollywood, you're shooting fucking guns. You're shooting guns. It went from holding a skull up to shooting some motherfucker and seeding their skull. Guns are used on every set, everywhere, all the fucking time, whether it's drama or action. They are such a part of the entertainment experience known as on sets as filmmaking or, or television or whatever, that the protocols that are put into place are so fucking strict, so insanely strict. And, and the standard is such a gold standard for safety. And I just, I've been on these sets. Dave's been on these sets. Omar's been on these sets. Fucking Kike's been on these sets. Everyone's been on these fucking sets. Cody, all these people that listen to us are part of this show. Uh, and the the weird part is, yes, Alec Baldwin's a mega star. That's, yeah, yay. But the real weird part to it for the people who are in the fucking industry is that anyone got shot by a fucking gun for real on the goddamn set and also died. It is very bizarre. So, I mean, I almost think that you'd have a better chance of getting hit by fucking lightning or going down in a plane crash. Because when I told you to make to think about that in your head, everything you watch, motherfuckers, guns are going off. Fucking guns are everywhere in your entertainment. All the fuck over the place. Now, you think about how many guns are fired every single year on how many fucking sets by how many fucking actors with how many productions behind them. And this just doesn't happen well i'm going to mention this now just so jason keep us on track so we can circle back to it to answer this question because i guarantee it's a it's a comparison i've already seen in the public discourse so i want to make sure we address it for the dozens and that is the case of brandon lee brandon lee is a bit of a different circumstance as far as what occurred and how it occurred there was a large amount of the negligence that could certainly be a comparison but as far as the actual mechanics of what happened with the weapon uh, Brandon Lee is different than Helena Hutchins. We'll talk about why that is. But first, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Here is what happened to the best, my best understanding. So it is conceivable that details could change on what has been reported. But my understanding is as follows. First, that set has been a shit show ever since production opened. Now, Alec Baldwin, I mentioned before, that the headlines had been really salacious because Alec Baldwin is the name in this story. So therefore, that's been what news organizations have used to get clicks, get ad buys and all this. And I'm not saying Baldwin's blameless, but the story was Helena Hutchins is a cinematographer who got killed on set. Not the fact that Alec Baldwin happened to be the, you know, the one holding the the weapon. So it, it, and like you said, Jason, the, the headlines made it sound like, you know, Baldwin had something personal against this lady and, and just like threw a fit and, you know, shot somebody that the headlines I thought were really salacious and largely in many cases irresponsible. Um, so let's, let's start there. 
We'll circle back to Baldwin because it is very important to note he is not only the lead actor on this film. He is also a producer on this film. That increases the amount of responsibility that he had to make sure that this type of bullshit would never occur. We'll get back to that. So anyway, it's a low-budget production. I don't know exactly what their budget was, but they were apparently cutting a lot of corners. The crew had not been, uh, many, many members of the crew had not been paid in several weeks. They were working very long hours in New Mexico. Production was trying to not uh, have to pay for room and board, so they were making them drive like over an hour, hour and a half back and forth from, you know, I don't, I forget if it was Albuquerque, where the fuck it was, but like, you know, to the city or where hotels were compared to where they were actually filming. So if you're already shooting for, you're shooting, meaning filming, for uh, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 hours to then have another hour commute there and back, that adds up. That's a big reason as to why IATSE almost went on strike recently, which may still happen. You know, side note, it wouldn't surprise me if this incident is also used as a, a catalyst to um, IATSE turning, IATSE membership turning down the uh, proposed contract and going back to the negotiating table or going on strike. But that's, you know, side note, just while it's in my head. So anyway, they were cutting corners. The crew was very unhappy. Earlier in the day, I've heard it was earlier in the day. I've also heard it was the previous day. I believe it was that morning. Members of the camera department had walked off set in protest because of safety concerns. Production then replaced them with non-union workers in order to continue filming. And it just goes to show, again, that, that there were issues here that already should have been addressed. Now, a couple other very important points to make. Uh, the assistant director on this film was David Halls. David Halls was the one who handed the weapon to Baldwin and then said, cold gun. Cold gun meaning it does not have anything in it that is going to be firing. That was clearly wrong. For example, if it had blanks in it, it's not a cold gun. Um, real bullets should never even enter the conversation because real bullets should never be on a fucking film set. We'll come back to that momentarily. Uh, the term live round, that is something that gets confused a little bit in the reporting of this because it means a different thing on a set compared to in public vernacular. Live round on a set generally means that it is a blank that will fire it has real gunpowder in it and it fires basically it's like a paper wad kind of that's that's stuffed in there but it's it will fire a quote-unquote fake round to get the actual muzzle flash and you'll have actual um you know kickback on the weapon or whatever now those can still be deadly um there is a case it's happened more than once where people fucking around with them have held like a, a weapon with a blank in it up to their own head and fired thinking it would be a funny gag to play and they blew their own brains out because it's it's still firing a projectile but if fired at a distance from somebody it's it's not su expected or supposed to do harm live round on a set typically refers to a blank live round in public vernacular typically means real bullet Real bullets should never even be mentioned in the same context of on set because there should never be real bullets on set. Now, is there a circumstance where real bullets would ever be used in the context of filming something? Potentially, if, for example, 
say you have a scene where someone is is you know at a, a shooting range or say they're in a field and they're like shooting cans or something then it's conceivable that you know you film that they do the dialogue or whatever later you may have um you know a uh, a pickup where a secondary crew will, you know, say fire a, a gun at a can or something on a separate day or whatever and film the can going on. You know, something very distinct like that, I mean, conceivably. Um, but still, you would never have real bullets on your actual set with the actual actors, with the actual filming of the scene. Like, that should never, ever happen. So now we need to go to the armor. The armorer, that is a position, that is the name of the person who is responsible specifically for the handling of firearms on set. That is another thing that frequently gets confused. They say uh, in the news reporting, prop gun. If a gun is capable of firing a blank, it is capable of firing a real bullet. The mechanism is the same. Prop gun does not mean that the gun cannot fire an actual gun, an actual round. Prop gun just means exactly that. It is a gun that is used by a character in the film. Therefore, it is a prop. A prop gun could be a rubber gun. It could be um, a duplicate that is not capable of firing actual rounds, i.e., you know, our prop guns on, on job guys predominantly were, I believe, uh, like BB pistols and, you know, shit like that. That is a prop gun. But it is also conceivable that, you know, for example, that um, you would have a prop gun that is fully capable of firing around because if it can fire a blank, it can fire a real bullet. It's still a prop gun. That's That's another thing people get kind of confused about. So the armorer who is responsible for firearms on set, very important to note, the armorer was Hannah Gutierrez. This is only the second film that she's ever been an armorer on. It's a legacy hire because her father, um, Thel Reed, I believe his name, is a longtime armorer in the business. So that's how she got hired. And there were incidences leading up to this on this set, and there were incidences on the first film that she worked on. The first film that she worked as an armorer on was with Nicolas Cage called The Old Way. And the key grip from that film, Stu uh, Brumbo, I'm sorry if I mispronounced that name, uh, he was shocked that she had not been fired from that set because she had discharged a firearm right near Cage, who was not expecting it, according to him. So I'll say allegedly. Um, and there were incidences where there was just absolutely no safety, where she would be carrying weapons under her arm. They would be pointed at people, you know, inadvertently because she wasn't paying attention, et cetera, et cetera. Here's what we know about what happened specifically on this film with Alec Baldwin called Rust. There was apparently at least two different incidences leading up to this of accidental discharge of firearms on set. There should never be a single accidental discharge on a set let alone multiple. And then, apparently, crew members were firing real ammunition using prop guns in between takes or offset or whatever to, you know, alleviate steam or just as a hobby or to pass the time or whatever. The second 
that happened, everybody involved should have been fired, and that set should have been shut down until such time as an armorer who knew what the fuck they were doing could have gone through and verified that there was not a single round of ammunition anywhere near that set that was not accounted for as being a dummy or a blank. And Hannah Gutierrez, I believe, should face... I don't think she necessarily will, but I'm saying in a perfect world, I'm not familiar with the laws of New Mexico, should face some sort of criminal prosecution because the level of ignorance. Apparently there were weapons on a cart on set that she just wasn't paying attention to. The AD just took the gun off of the thing and you know brought it over to the actor. The AD should really never even be handling the no, goddamn weapon. The armorer should clear the gun with the actor Mm -hmm. show them there should be a safety meeting where the whole crew gathers around. We did this on job guys. I'm not trying to like pat ourselves on the back. It's the basic bare minimum that you do with, when you have a prop firearm on a wet, on a set, whether it be plastic, whether it be rubber, whether it be one that's capable of actually firing, you have safety meetings regularly where anyone involved with that shoot is around and the armorer and stunt coordinator and anyone involved with the discharge of that weapon will show the gun to everybody, say what it is or is not firing or capable of firing, will show everybody what is in or not in the weapon, i.e. open it up if it can be opened up, make sure everybody's clear, there is no questions, as well as establish the chain of custody. Nobody should be touching that weapon outside of the armorer and right before they're ready to film the scene, the actor. As the actor, Alec Baldwin, A, he should have been, you know, having been on sets for as long as he have been, he should have been certainly more aware of the previous accidental discharges as well as a little skeptical when an AD is handling handing him a weapon as opposed to it being the armorer. That's one. But when he is handed a weapon from a crew member who says the gun is cold. Should he have checked it? Yes. But um, what he should not have done is fired, is pointed it in the direction of a crew member during a rehearsal. This was a rehearsal where the weapon went off. That was negligence on his part. Um, he should never have been pulling the trigger. He should never have had his finger on the trigger during a rehearsal. Like There is absolutely no call for any of that. More importantly than that, as a producer... It is his responsibility to make sure that that set is safe. I don't care if he's a producer in name only. He's a producer on that film. I don't know what, to what extent his you know role as a producer was. But regardless, if your name is as a producer on that set, it's your job to make sure everybody on that set is safe. He clearly must have known that the crew had walked off earlier in the morning because they brought on new camera people. He clearly must have known there had been accidental discharges prior to this incident. He should have known that these weapons are being left out without anyone actually fucking paying attention to them. The gun should always be in a safe, and the armorer mm -hmm. is the one who opens the safe yeah. and brings the weapons to set. Those weapons do not get loaded until right before they film the scene. He should have known that none of that was happening. So, yes, Alec Baldwin is negligent. Um, you know, is it... I think he's more negligent as a, as a producer than even as an actor. Um, Helena Hutchins, blameless. None of this is her... She's supposed to just light the scene and, and film the scene. Like, it, it's not... She, she should have had... It's, 
It should not have even. It would. It, it is reasonable that it would not have even been in her head to assume that there was the possibility that this would happen. As the cinematographer, like that's not supposed to be something that she should even be expected to be worried about. And also, I don't know if she knew that, you know, uh, Baldwin was going to be pointing at or certainly pulling the trigger of this this weapon in her direction. Um. I know I'm all over the place on this, but it's just, it's such an important topic. There's so many different facets to it. Gutierrez should never have been an armorer in any set, let alone that one. After, if, if the alleged incidents from the previous set with the Nicolas Cage film are true, she never should have been hired again. Um, with the, after a single accidental discharge on a set, she should have been fired from that set. Um, an AD worth their weight should have been following proper protocols and not been handling weapons themselves or taking it to the actor or doing any of that and should have been aware that these protocols were not being properly followed and should have made sure that set was shut down until such time as these protocols could be followed. It's such a systemic failure on every level because it was more important to get the shot meeting get the scene filmed than it was to give a shit about whether somebody was living or dying that was below the line jason what have i missed well let me just go back because uh, you covered it really well and i th the best part of what what you said um which totally got all the neurons firing in my head is I, I want you to listen to what Dave said there about some of the protocols he was talking about with the gun being in the safe, uh, whether it's a prop gun or not is never left out. No one is never not watching uh, those weapons under proper circumstances, which is what I always saw on every set I was with. The armor is the only motherfucker that handles that weapon usually and is gives it to the actor. There is a check. I guess what I'm trying to what I want to impart on you is a few things, dozens. In in Hollywood, there's a lot of shit that when you get on a set, in my opinion, uh, is just fly by the seat of your pants and there's arguing and bullshittery and a lot of childish behavior sometimes and blah, blah, blah. Let me tell you something that I was always highly impressed with. It was always the care, attention, and respect of the armor and the weapons on set. Most actors... And I'm just going to say this. Most actors are fucking terrified of weapons. They are. They're actors. They were a bunch of goddamn nerds growing up. So weapons to them are like, oh, golly gee, it might shoot me if they're looking at it. That's just the truth. Many, many tough guy actors you see on, on screen, they're not tough guy actors. They're terrified of what they're doing. And that's why you have an armor there showing them also hey, it's okay, look, there's nothing in this gun, click, 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 look at this, this is not a thing, look at that, they, they educate them. When Brandon Lee had the accident that he had on set, which I don't know if it's 93, 94, 95, I forget the fucking year, but it set a new standard, and there were already some pretty good goddamn standards, but they revamped everything, and there became a lot more um, gold standards in the protocol of guns on sets, everywhere should we um, quickly should we quickly state what the general situation yeah. was of brandon lee so that people go ahead yeah go ahead uh basically long story short and i mean there's a lot to say about that as well but i mean we don't have so much time in the show long story short a wrong caliber of round was was used in the gun 
I believe it was the previous day. Uh, so the shell, when it got fired, um, instead of being ejected from the gun, the shell got stuck in, in the gun. And it was a, a blank round. But again, this is, you know, it's real gunpowder. It's a, a real casing, you know, quote unquote, you know, there's nothing fake about any of that. So it was the wrong caliber round, which was, again, the fault, I would assume, of the armor. Yeah, it would be the armor because they're the ones loading it um, on that set. And then that gun was not properly cleared uh, from that, from when that occurred to this scene coming up with Brandon Lee. So it was that weapon was handed to the actor whose name I forget, but he played Fun Boy. He passed away fairly recently, like within the last year and a half, I want to say. Um, and you know the the armor cleared the weapon, said, "Hey, this is this is going to be firing blanks," and you know, et cetera, et cetera. So the actor, as he was told, pointed the gun at Brandon Lee as part of filming the scene and pulled the trigger like he was supposed to in the filming of the scene. The blank round discharged from the gun struck the um, the casing that had been lodged in the barrel, ejected that forcibly from the gun barrel, and it was that casing that lodged into the chest of Brandon Lee, killing him. Um, the actor, I believe, was blameless in that situation, and I know he was traumatized by that for the rest of his life and received death threats from people and stuff like that. Like, let me put it this way. Alec Baldwin is a lot more negligent in the circumstance dealing with the Rust set than this actor who played Funboy was on the set yeah. of The Crow. Um, so that is what happened with Brandon Lee. So it's slightly yeah. a different situation. Whereas, again, from what our understanding is on the Rust set, it was a real bullet which uh, killed Helena Hutchins as of this recording. When I was on sets, um, the primary thing that I played either in background or a supporting actor or day player, or whatever the fuck I was given to do because of the, my age, my general look appearance was always military cop or football player. Okay. Uh, I know nothing about I, any of these professions, uh, at all. And, but that's, was my look. I, I had Marines on set that said that you look more like a Marine than I do. And I'm a real Marine. And so that was my look. So I, I was always around prop weapons, for years when I was on sets because they were handed to you by the armor. They would, sh right before the scene, they would show you exactly what to fucking do with it, what not to do with it. When the scene was over, they came back and took it out of your hands. And just on a set alone, just props, just fucking props where you've got like a book that this character is going to read and turn to this page are kept under such tight, super fucking vision to get the shot, not fuck up the prop by some dumbass actor or background actor or whatever have you that that is kept to where if you just touched it the wrong way they would take a baseball bat to your fucking hands sometimes i would think my god the props are getting more respect than the goddamn actors here or, or even the you know definitely the crew which is something dave alluded to uh, anyway but a personal experience of mine is one time i was on a set as a cop all decked out okay and there was about two or three of us we're on a low budget film uh, playing cops, and there was a girl we were with, the, the female cop uh, actress, and just out of nowhere, we weren't filming. The, nothing was on. We had our whole, our entire utility belt on, the holster, everything. She took out the gun. Now the gun was just uh, rubber. It was a rubber replica that, on camera, far away, you would not be able to tell the difference. Okay, it was not even equipped to shoot anything. All right, uh, it was. It was just a replica gun. When she took that fucking gun out, 
People came out of the goddamn woodworks and almost tackled her. She lost her job. Good. It was a serious fucking thing. And she was she was saying, I'm ignorant to this. I have not been on sets that long, blah, blah, blah. Although she was told when they geared us up like, you know, obviously keep everything where it is. Do not touch it. I had worked with the armor on another set before, so... You know, I knew fucking really well within six months. I mean, less. I knew you don't even fucking look at the weapons you've been given. You don't do a goddamn thing with them. I've seen major actors be talked to like they were five when they're handed a sword, not even a fucking a gun. So I want the public at large to know it is bizarre, fucking bizarre that this fucking happened. Can I because offer a counterpoint? Respect that's given on that. Yeah. I will agree and disagree with you. I agree, especially on larger budget productions, that there are very strict protocols that are typically followed. I have seen a lot more corners cut on lower budget productions. So I am not as surprised as you are. that The, the thing that shocks me about this one is that apparently it was a real bullet and that they were stupid enough to have yeah. real ammunition. That, is, to me, is yeah. absolutely fucking mind-boggling. Uh, which only- apparently was an issue on the set of The Crow as well. It's just, that's a whole other story. But um, I can, can I, is there something you'd like to say or can I share a, a couple of, of stories on that? You can. Uh, let me just finish this just real quick okay. and then I'll throw it back to you. Certainly. Is that, is that ultimately when, when I heard about this, all I thought about were those fucking protocols. And um, I'm going to get into something at the, at the very end, but I, I just want everybody out there to know that if everything is done correctly and there were no corners being cut and everyone was paying attention to their jobs directly, uh, this cannot happen. The only live rounds I ever saw on any set ever were in a gun by a secure the security officer of the set, and they're usually retired military or police or off-duty police, that that's their second job. Sorry, it's Jason, confirming only- you mean real bullets. Real bullets. That's okay. right. Is that the, the only real bullets that I that I knew of are on the set at Paramount? Is the fucking security guard at the front goddamn gate? Okay, that is that's it. It was never on an actual set because you don't want that confusion to fucking happen. I am going to throw it back to Dave real quick because there is a lot to talk about. Um, but it does bring up what a lot of people have said now is. When I, when I watched the Expendables, Dave, or when I watched the, you know, the first one in, 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 on, on screen, I couldn't help, and I'm not putting this movie down. I think we all know that I love the goddamn Expendables. I think we know this. But many of the gunshots, explosions, chaos, and mayhem caused by weapons on this, on, in the film, I could tell were computer generated. I was like, that's computer generated. That muzzle flash is computer generated. The blood that effects are pretty bad. Is, that's computer generated. Now, here's the deal. I didn't really give a fuck. I really didn't. It almost gave it that max comic line thing going on where it's uber gory. So you're watching a computerized version and you could just tell that that was all done in post. I'm not, by the way, this is going to, I love job guys too. I think we talk about job guys all the fucking time, but you tell with digital myth, there is digital effects in, in, in a lot of what is going on when it comes to, to the 
the shots, the gunshots and things of this nature, but it doesn't distract from, in my opinion, any of the scenes. I think that where everyone like on the set of The Rookie now is going, we don't even need goddamn blanks. We don't need this because the computers have gotten to the point that you can add all of this shit in post. Jesus Christ, I remember watching Miami Vice back in the day. The actor would fake the fucking recoil of gun. You wouldn't see a flash at all. The actor would fall down. There'd be no squibs on the actor and they would add the fucking sound in post that a gunshot went off. And guess what, folks? That did it okay for me too. So nobody needs to be dying for the sake of goddamn acting by having explosions on the set, in my opinion, now that computers can do, well, most fucking everything. That's a, a debate, and Jason mentioned The Rookie. The Rookie is currently a show on, I forget what network it is, but it's uh, Nathan Fillion show, and they have, I believe, have stated they will no longer be using um, any blanks for any type of gunfire. They'll do all of that in, in post-production. Muzzle flare is one of the easier, like, explosions, if it's a CG explosion, it those can still look fairly cheesy, but um, muzzle flare is one of the easier things to do where, you know, if you do it well, no one should really be paying attention to it as far as like, oh, I don't think that gun actually went off on set. So that I think is going to be part of a larger industry-wide discussion in upcoming weeks and months. It may even make its way into union contracts moving forward. Um, it wouldn't surprise me, uh, and this is total hearsay on my part, but you know, if, if IATSE may even make a move, uh, if this next contract gets voted down and they have to go back to the negotiating table, it wouldn't surprise me if IATSE maybe some membership starts pushing for an actual contractual stipulation that there no longer be uh, blank rounds even used on sets. But uh, nevertheless, let me uh, speak to a little bit about what Jason was talking about. I've kind of seen the opposite. I've, I've seen sets where guns were handled absolutely responsibly. Chain of custody was never broken. Everybody treated it with the responsibility with which it was um, expected. I've also seen the opposite. Um, you know, I was, and it's almost always been on, not always, but it's almost always been on, on lower budget films. I was on a film, uh, where there's a background person, nothing is background or the background plenty of times, you know, I, it's, but for context, this is what this person's role was, uh, playing a cop. They had a, a prop firearm and I forget now if it was rubber or if it was like, I forget how quote unquote real the gun looked. Um, and this jackass who I think at the time I would have been about 25 and I think this dude was in his forties. So just keep that in mind as well. Just for context, this dude, uh, playing a cop was handed this weapon as part of his in, in the, the holster and it never should have come out of the holster because there was no point in the scene where it was supposed to be used. And just in the holding area, he took the fucking thing out and he pointed at it at me. And I said, uh, Put that back in your fucking belt right now. What? It's not real. I'm like, I don't give a shit. If you point that at me one more time, I'm going to take it from you and I'm going to hit you in the fucking face with it. That is quote unquote what I said and how I said it to the best of my memory all these years later. And again, he's like, well, it's not real. I'm like, I don't give a shit. It's not a toy. You're not a fucking child. Put it the fuck away. And then I complained to, um, I forget if it was the AD or, or who it was. Um, and, you know, that was the last time that person I ever saw on that set. I don't know if I necessarily, if that complaint got them removed or if that was the last day they were used anyway. Like, I, I don't know about any of that. Um, you know, I would never use the, let's say that my complaint got them not brought back to set. I wouldn't even say I got them fired. I would say they got their own dumbass fucking fired. 
Um, I have seen a lot of times it's background people, but not limited to where they get handled a weapon and then they start fucking with it and they start pointing it around and all of that. And then it takes somebody else on the set to see it, to be like, yo, do not fucking do that. And sometimes it can be, there are times where it can be fairly innocuous. Like if, for example, um, you know, if you're playing soldiers and you have the, I'm not, excuse me, I'm not great at gun models, but if you have like one of the real heavy duty, you know, um, machine guns and you're sitting down with it, someone may have it across their lap, not being cognizant of the fact that that barrel is pointed off at somebody else. That is, you know, that it's an innocent thing, but you can't have that happen. In which case I've seen an armor go up and be like, Hey, that has to be pointed down at the ground. You can't have it sitting like that, you know, and then, and that, yes, sir, understood, whatever. And then, you know, everyone moves on. Um, so there's times where you see innocuous things like that, where it is very innocent, where it's not even necessarily somebody just not treating it irresponsibly per se, but just inexperienced and not, not aware. I've seen that. I've also seen the blatant disrespect and just stupidity of someone taking a prop gun and pointing it at people because they think it's fucking funny or it's, you know, somehow a novelty to them. I've seen, I've seen, I've seen it all at some point or another. Um, I had a friend who was on a major set where somebody had lied about what their experience was to production in order to get a role as, I forget if it was a stunt person or what, but it was a, a role where they were in on camera with a firearm, had lied about their experience and were treating the gun in a very unsafe manner to where either my friend or someone my friend knew had to actually interrupt the scene and say, stop, this person does not know what they're doing. And if this fires a blank round, they're going to hurt somebody. Um, and the director got all pissed or whatever. And, you know, my friend and other people they were with were ex-military and were like, no, fuck this. This is how this is supposed to work. And then, you know, it got, it got handled, but you do have people faking it till they're making it on a set when that involves firearms and they don't know the proper protocols and the chain of custody and all of that. It requires everybody, everybody on that set from the crafty person to the background actors, to the primary, to every single person on that set is responsible for firearm safety. Now, obviously the armor is first and foremost. Anyone who is supposed to be handling that weapon is first and foremost. But it's one of those, if you see something, say something things. And a lot of times people don't because they don't want to get themselves ostracized. They want to be hired back. They don't want to create a stink. They don't want to cost the production money. I was on the set of a film that was filming in a hotel where I was told I was to give my prop firearm to the fucking wardrobe person at the end of the day. Because they didn't have an armor because they didn't want to pay for one. And wouldn't you know it, the next day, no one knew where that goddamn gun was. And I had to take it to production and be like, yo, the person that I was instructed to hand this weapon off to doesn't know where the fuck it is and seems to have no interest in searching for it. And we are filming in a goddamn hotel. So maybe you should have a higher priority in finding where the fuck this thing is. Am I surprised this happened? No. I'm kind of surprised it happened, hasn't happened more frequently because of how fucking lackadaisical people can get with this type of shit. Um, 
But the fact that it was a real bullet as of now, again, it's conceivable that could change. But I, as far as I know, I, it's been established it was a real real bullet and that they had real ammo around because they were just firing these things as fucking hobbies in between takes or in between shoots or whatever. The amount of rage that I have at this that is directed really at the entire goddamn industry because it is endemic to the fact that so often it is more important to get a scene filmed than it is to actually treat the lives of the people filming it with the respect and the care that it deserves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is all accurate. It's all extremely accurate. And I know that uh, we're going to get off this subject pretty soon, but I needed to add one more thing. Please do. To this, to this discussion. <clears throat> and I don't, and you know, this is coming from the dozens. Okay, but it's now time to go into our little tiny conspiracy theory theater about mm, half a day that night when when the the shooting went down, people during in the dozens started saying, "Do you think that somebody loaded it intentionally?" And I was like, "What do you mean?" And it got out, and uh, this is just. This is just theorizing. It's all fiction here, folks. But the idea was that the crew was treated so fucking horribly. And the crew was pissed off, particularly about the firearm safety, that some disgruntled motherfucker actually loaded a couple rounds up in the prop guns that weren't being, but real bullets in the guns that weren't being paid attention to. Now, This is all conspiracy, it's all theoretical, but it popped up more than twice real quick by people saying, maybe somebody in the the crew did it before they left, like, fuck you. And I'm not, I'm just saying that it's very interesting that many of your minds went to that, and it is odd that any bullet should be in these fucking guns at all. So, weird, because... The zeitgeist of the dozens out there are all starting to think there was some foul play, possibly just as a final middle finger to Russ production. But uh, other than that, that's all I wanted to say at the very end is it's something that's on you guys' mind. Here's why I don't buy that, given the circumstances of this particular situation. Um, Because, A... When you're loading, uh, let's let's say you had malicious intent or you wanted to fuck the production over or whatever, and you you purposely put a real bullet in a prop firearm, there is no way of predicting who ends up getting hit by that. So unless you have absolutely pure murderous hatred for everybody that you work with, um, including yourself, unless you know you're not going to be anywhere near a set that day, um, that just seems like a uh, foolhardy uh, errand unless you're like really suicidal and dumb. Um, and then also there's, there's obviously the question, well, how did real ammunition get to the set? But that's already been answered in that apparently the armorer and other people on crew were firing those weapons with real ammo for target practice and stuff as a hobby um, when the film was not actively, I don't want to say shooting for, clarity for actively filming so there is a previous history of why there was live ammo there it's stupid and dangerous and ridiculous and you know unfathomable in any intelligent responsible setting but 
that has been established, that there was live ammunition around, and that is why, and also that these weapons had been, you know, used recreationally, um, as well as just how utterly just fucking inept and horrible this armor was. Mm-hmm. Um, so therefore, no, I don't put any stock into that. Um, you know, under different circumstances, I could see, I could see where there would be questions raised about it. Um, in this case, I don't think there's any indication that that is that that holds water. Yeah. Well, it is what it is. It'll be interesting to see over the next uh, week or so where this all goes because uh, this is just downright motherfucking bizarre. It really is. Well, I'd be fascinated, as you mentioned, Jason. We have a lot of you know mutual friends, separate friends, listeners, mm-hmm. whatever that are work in the industry. But even those who don't, I would love to know. First of all, if you are in the industry. Um, any experiences that you have had positive or negative with firearm usage on a set. Um, and also if you're not in the industry or if there's just anything, you know, if there's anything that you're unclear on or that any questions that we are capable of answering, uh, Jason, where can they send their stories and or questions? You can always contact us at our wonderful email address known as ask Dave and Jason at protonmail.com. Because, well, god damn it. Fuck you, Dr. Cosby. Indeed. So I think we may need to do a hit it and quit it on our last two subjects just to uh, not do a Jerry Lewis marathon. But uh, childhood is dead, Jason. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, I sure as fuck did. Did you know why? Well, I'm not. It, it just is, Dave. I, we I don't, don't do it because either. it truly I, fucking is. I've got a headache. Jesus. Leave me the fuck alone. Continue, no kidding, Jason. Take the, take the wheel. Brain just re-looped into the first gimmick. Hey, how dare you? Yeah, how dare I? Hey, let me tell you something, folks. Last week we talked about all that toxic fandom. A lot of you were just absolutely agreed and knew that that's what was happening out there and whatever you love. But uh, it made me think last week, we never got to it, about certain things that I loved as a child or young man even, uh, maybe in my teens, early 20s, that I've, you know, just by happenstance. You've got back that long a memory? <clears throat> yes, asshole. But anyway, just, you know, going back in time and I and I reintroduce myself to something. I'm like, dude, <clears throat> I love this thing. And then I watch it again. I experience it again. And it, it doesn't, maybe it doesn't suck, but it certainly isn't what you fucking remembered. And we're at an age now, most of the listeners here are in their late 30s, early 40s, according to the motherfucking demographics that you should, this can be happening to you as well. Maybe music you listen to or a place you went to as a child or some kind of food or, or, or something. And I think that this is worth talking about maybe in further episodes as we go along, but it's basically going back to something that you just fucking adored as a kid. And then you watch it or see it or experience it. And it's just not the same at all. Well, for me, uh, last week, we we're going to get to it. Like I said, we, we ran out of a little bit of time, but this week we want to talk about just briefly. I, when I was a kid and probably in my, my teen years, the most, I fucking loved, you know, obviously all motion pictures, but a lot of the motion pictures I liked, a lot of the films I liked were very, you know, gory, blood and guts, not horror films, but, you know, action adventure dramas with some, some gunplay in there. And, um, a lot of these movies that I have now seen, if it's streaming, cause I have them on, 
you know, DVD, but I don't walk across the room to actually put them in anymore. If it's not streaming, I'm too lazy to actually, you know, go to my case and get it half the time. But uh, I really did like That's why you have a child, Jason. Well, I know. But I mean, I think that a lot of what I liked back in the day when I was really learning about film was Martin Scorsese films, Francis Ford Coppola films, a lot of Harvey Keitel films, things of this nature. And I'll run across these films again that I just have these brilliant fucking memories of when I was in my teen years. And it's just all too goddamn dark and gruesome. Now that I'm older, you would think that this would be the opposite. But when I, I guess when I was a teenager, it was just, you're fascinated with just how fucking terrible life can be until you experience it. And then you want to start watching, you know, Annie and, and Willy Wonka's chocolate factory and things again. But I watched, um, apocalypse now the other night, uh, and I got about mm, two thirds through and went, nah, nah, not into this anymore. Don't don't need to see this uh, the 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 scene where they massacre all the the people you know the Vietnamese in the boat and uh, just bit terrible and I was like no nah, just spoilers Jason well if you haven't seen it you motherfuckers ain't gonna see it it's a great film but it was obviously I love this shit more as a young man same thing with um, Taxi Driver. I was watching Taxi Driver the other day. I fucking love Taxi Driver. God damn. This is, I know every fucking shot of this movie, but I hadn't seen Taxi Driver in something like not fully for 15 or 20 years. Well, I come to find out I really don't like it much anymore. And it's very strange to revisit something that you didn't just like. You had a motherfucking passion for. And then as an adult, you're like, no, I don't like watching any of this anymore and it's i think it's strange because i've heard a lot of people talk about the shit that they love going back to in a nostalgia way uh, but i don't hear a lot of people talk this way about other things that i think we all have i think there's something in us that remembers something at such a more high caliber you know glit edge like this wonderful memory that when you watch it again you're like it's really not that fucking great um i watched episodes probably about five years ago i started watching some episodes of the a-team the a-team for the most part sucks it really does there these episodes there are certain episodes of certain seasons that are fucking stellar they're like nine out of ten stars but most of them are really like four out of ten four out of ten brett i mean they're about four out of fucking ten they're always fighting some redneck somewhere out in some place that doesn't cost very much money to you know secure a set they can't hit a barn door from 10 feet away (laughs) yeah it's it's not that good it really isn't i love highlander the series right highlander the series just came out with this box set uber blu-ray fucking 4k duncan mcleod will come out and dance for you in 3d like all sorts of crazy bells and whistles But honestly, the first couple, two or three seasons of fucking Highlander are like, oh, that's fucking 90s. Jesus Christ. I mean, shots that go on forever, hour-long stories that could be told in 20 minutes. I mean, it's just, they just didn't, not only did they not have their footing, but it's fucking dated. It's fucking not aged well, goddammit. So the thing is, it is strange because there's so much of, I want, like a lot of listeners out there, a lot of the dozens, I want my childhood to be forever young. I want to go back and watch He-Man and think this is the greatest thing that's ever happened. By the way, it is the greatest thing that ever happened. He-Man still works. But there's so much of my youth and my teens 
magazines that I've gone back and been like, that's really not as good as I, my younger self thought. And I would also love, this is great feedback because I would love to get this conversation started. Not just stuff we love, which we talk about all the fucking time or how they're fucking up stuff that we loved as a, as a child. But I would like to hear from the dozens. Is there anything on your end? And like I said, it can be fucking music. It can be a tourist attraction. It can be anything that you as an adult have stumbled upon again or actively sought out and gone, that's just really not that fucking good at all. So I, I guess that's what I want to say. Because, And I would really like to get that conversation started with the dozens. But those were just a few examples of how darker shit or I guess just cheesy low budget shit uh, both worked on me when I was young. And now that I'm adult, I, I like high budget happy shit apparently. Uh, so I, I don't know. Maybe it's just because life got so fucking dark on us in the last few years. I don't generally need to see any more of my entertainment be god awful. Believe me, if I need god awful, I've got it on the news every fucking day. Darker stuff still works for me, but um, there's a certain level of cheese that uh, I could tolerate as a child, which no longer would work. Like, for example, Jason, do you remember the movie Three Ninjas? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do remember Hello? that. Okay. <laughs> All right. So it was kind of like it was trying to jump on the it was kind of like if I mean, they weren't mutants, but if like Ninja Turtles met home alone, like they were like three brothers that were like trained by their ninja grandfather and then like some uh, evil group tries to kidnap them. So they like beat up the kidnappers and the whole thing as a child, as a kid. And when I say child, I, I want to it was like an early 90s film, if I'm not mistaken, it might have been mid 90s, but I think it was early 90s. When that came out, they they did. Hogan was in one of the sequels. I never saw the sequels. They all looked horrible. Uh, but I remember he was in like the third one or something like Hulk Hogan is in three ninjas three or some shit. Anyway, <laughs> when Hulk Hogan's in your film that is not Rocky three, you you know, that film franchise is <laughs> is going downhill fucking quick. But anyway, um, I remember it being really fun as a kid. I don't think I could really watch it now without just being extremely annoyed because it, a lot of the humor is just really like, like the kidnappers just use these really annoying, like surfer dude kind of like fucking voices. And just a lot of the humor is dumb and I don't have like, and I mean, dumb humor is kind of subjective, but that movie would not hold up to me now watching it, for example. Um, Whereas things that I, you know, the kids would probably just irritate me now. Whereas back then I was like, oh yeah, they're cool. Like now I'm like, oh God, I can't listen to them speak another, you know, fucking five minutes. Um, so that would be an example. Um, you know what? I, I used, to, I loved the show Night Court and I still think that show's great. But uh, years ago I bought like the, I forget if it was the entire first season. I think it was the entire first season on, on DVD. That first season was rough, man. Uh, like you said, it's kind of dated, but also the things that I really loved about that show, a lot of times didn't really kick in until a couple seasons down the road. As far as certain cast members, like Mac wasn't in the first season. Um, I don't think Roz was in the first season. Like a lot of the things that I really enjoyed didn't really find their footing until a couple seasons in. So I, it's not that I don't enjoy that show, but in watching the first season again, years later, I was like, oh man, that was rough. <laughs> Yeah. So those are those are two examples, uh, two examples for me. It's less uh, like dark content, or but more like things that I would find funny as a child. I find more just kind of grating now. Um, right. 
I would, so for I would you, say. So for you, it's like there's a, a level of comedic cheesiness that you're like, nah, that ain't working on me anymore. For me, it really is like, I, I can't even fathom watching Bad Lieutenant. Like, with Harvey Keitel, I just sort of be like... I've actually mm, never mm, seen it, so I, I can't mm, comment on it. Yeah, that. well, it's just dark as fuck. It's about as dark as it gets. And as it, But just how much I love this shit as a kid. How fucking much I loved it. And now I'm just like, no, no, I like fantastical things. Does it depend... Like escapism. Does it depend on the level of realism? Because, for example, RoboCop. Gratuitously Even, violent. Uh, yeah, I But mean, so the over is, the top. Yeah, I get that. A science fiction stuff, I guess not so much, but there's just a lot of like, I can't stand, this is going to get stupid, but, uh, well, it's not stupid. I just can't stand, for an, I can't stand watching any film with like, where they're like raping women, like yeah. where there's rape. And yeah. I mean, this is not Jason being a white knight on a horse. It's not, I'm not doing that. What I mean is it genuinely is not fucking entertaining to me. And I noticed this trend in fucking Netflix about five, six, seven years ago. Every one of their major series that seemed to come out, there was some storyline that involved rape. There were, it was like a central thing was rape was involved. And I was just like, why is this fucking entertaining? How did this become our new drama is this person was raped and they either get revenge or they died or we have to go get the rapist or the rapist, rapist, rape, rape more women, rape more women. This is our entertainment. This is not fucking entertaining to me. I've then never the watched any of the Bronson Death Wish films for that reason, because they were very fond of using oh, very well, gratuitous on camera rape as a way I, of justifying Bronson, like brutally murder, murdering them later. I think Death Wish is is that yes. scene that that scene is fucking horrible. Uh, but I do think because at the time I, I maybe it's because it was a novelty. And once again, I could probably watch Death Wish today, and I just fast forward through the rape scene. Sure, I probably just go. I can't. No, let's get to the killing. I can't see this rape shit. I it bothers me on that level where. I don't even find. And once again, this is not Jason, Social Crusader, White Knight, like rape is bad. Yay. What I'm talking about is in an entertainment fashion. I don't know how this became the go-to for so much drama and I can't watch it. It's not entertaining me. So when it comes to death and shit like that, yeah, when Question? it's over. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Jason, but are you talking about for clarity? Are you talking about rape as a subject or rape actually depicted on camera? De depicted on camera is just vile. It's just yes. disgusting. And it okay. keeps happening. And it's, I don't even know, like, it's not even, I guess for a lot of the people who watch entertainment today, maybe, um, you know, back in the eighties, if they had that shit or the seventies, I guess it meant more because you didn't see, I guess as much of that, but it just seems like that is a go-to on so many shows now. Anyway, I, so it's I not the like, subject per se. If the if if a show has a rape like as a subject matter, as somehow tied into whatever's going on, yeah, you're generally like I don't want to say okay with it, but that doesn't bother you per se. It's when it's actually depicted yeah. on camera that when it's when it's when correct? it's visceral. Yeah, it's very okay. visceral. I don't like seeing like the human suffering shit of like someone okay. take a knife out and fucking pull some guy's fucking eye out and shit. Like I don't know how I became such a pussy. But as I'm like 46, I just don't want to see any more of this shit. I just, I know it's out there. 
I know it exists in the world, but the, I guess the topic on this was it's amazing how attracted and fascinated I was to that visual kind of storytelling that's dark and depicts human misery in, in all these Scorsese Coppola type films Godfather's still a fucking classic, but now as an adult with, and I think being a parent has something to do with it. It's not that you're shielding your kid's eyes from this shit because you're not letting them watch it anyway. It's, I think that there's a new level, I believe of humanity that comes over you when you're a parent that you're just like, you're always in Superman protection mode. And so when you start seeing suffering like that, even in in like a fictional entertainment thing, it becomes extremely fucking vile. And it's just something I'm not attracted to. Now, also having said that, I can go back to like Highlander and A-Team and and, and things. I could go on a a lot on that. We don't have time. But there's a lot of stuff as a kid. I thought this is the coolest fucking thing in the whole goddamn world. Everyone needs to see this. And it's really just moments in said series just certain moments that like you have to hit like for instance if you're talking about star trek uh the original series i love star trek the original series but i'm a fucking nerd dude if i was getting somebody to watch that i wouldn't tell them well you know watch the entire all three seasons no i'd pick like 20 episodes ago that's the only 20 you need to watch you don't need to watch anything else to let you know how great that fucking series was because overall, you're like, well, they're on a set. It looks like a high school theater with paper mache computers. Uh, that's not really going anywhere. That's he's throwing kind of, a rocket like a yeah, human-sized dinosaur. Yeah, it's not really working. It works on me from a Trekkie point of view. But I can say that about Highlander, the series, or a lot of stuff. There's very, there's very few series that have held up. I recently watched the entire run of The Equalizer uh, from the 80s with Edward Woodward. That fucking holds up. To me, that that shit still holds up. But there's a lot of stuff that just doesn't, either from the cheese factor involved or the just uber dark violence. I'm like, I'm just not that into you anymore, dark stuff. And it's like I said, it's bizarre because as a child, as a young man, I drank that shit up. So it is weird how your taste can change. And when you go back to revisit some, maybe it's a book. Maybe you read a book when you were in your teens, your twenties, like that's the greatest. It's so life altering. And then you read it in your forties. You're like, what the fuck is this horse shit? I don't know, but I'm throwing that question out there to the dozens because I think it's just as fascinating. The stuff we revisit and it doesn't work on us anymore as the stuff that we are so nostalgic. It's like a forever uh, nostalgia with us that it forever works in our minds. I bet you we'll get a lot of answers regarding music because music is very much a product both of its time and the time when you first experienced it. Yeah. Um, so I think music is one that very easily can fall in and out of favor depending on you know the style of it and, and kind of where you are in your life at the time that you hear it. Um, last thing I'll say, a movie I loved as a kid and I still very much enjoy today, but there's one moment in it that I didn't understand when I was a kid. And, and now when I look at it, I'm like, well, this hasn't aged well. It's Crocodile Dundee. Um, I really enjoy that film, classic. It has, uh, like, uh, basically, essentially making a, a very unpleasant trans joke where he just grabs uh, a trans person or a, tra- a transvestite. I'm not sure if a, a transgender or, or someone in drag, or I'm a little un. I, it's been a while since I've seen it. But basically, he's talking to somebody he believes to be a woman. Someone informs him that that is, you know, quote unquote, actually a man. So he, like, grabs the dude by the dick to prove it. I say dude in this context. I'm not trying to disrespect anybody. Um, 
and it's done for humor and it's really ugly. Like it's really mean spirited. And I, I, I didn't understand it as a child. So I didn't really have an opinion on it. Um, watching it as an adult, I'm like, Oh man, like that's, it's just really ugly. And I don't, I don't find it funny at all. Like, you know, you outside know, of that, I think the movie's still enjoyable, but that, that does not hold up well at all. Well, I mean, we could go into a whole nother fucking category on shit that hasn't aged well. Yeah, I mean, if right? you, if you yeah. take today's standards versus the shit we had back, get the fuck out of here. It's like everything. It's everything. Most of professional wrestling, it's everything. But I mean, the stuff that, you know, and I understand where you're coming from on that. It's really just generality of like what things used to work on you that just... And I honestly, I love the fucking A team theme song. I love the fucking characters. Most of the shows suck a dick. They really do. So, I mean, it's just, and you don't realize that till you're older. You're like, mm, this is bad. Yeah, this is real fucking bad. The with punctuated with real fucking awesome, but mostly bad. So it's just weird. And I'm throwing that out there to the dozens because we got to get off the subject. But if you got anything like that, man, God, what a fascinating subject for me to listen to. Cause I'd like to know how we're all growing and changing and things that just don't fucking work on us anymore. Uh, too. All right. Final subject. And it'll be a quick, uh, hit it and quit it because yeah. we're, we're pushing up against time here. But, um, apparently a lot of people are hating Charlotte flair right now. And, uh, <laughs> so, uh, Apparently, Charlotte's gotten a little bit too big for her britches, if if backstage reports are to be believed. And there was a segment recently where she, it was a stupid segment where Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair were the champions of their respective brands. And then they got switched to the opposite brand where Charlotte was going to SmackDown, I believe, and Becky was going to Raw. So then they like decided, they being the company, WWE, decided to do a segment where they traded championships. And both of them hated this idea. And are like, this just makes the titles look dumb and makes us look stupid. And, and they're not wrong on that. However, um, in the middle of the segment, Charlotte apparently decided to go into business for herself. And then purposely, she tried to say it was accidental afterwards and people generally aren't believing it, dropped the belt like literally like let go of it. And so it fell on the floor when Becky went to go get it to try to make Becky look stupid. And Becky was not having that. And they shared words afterwards. Apparently Sonya Deville was ready to fight Charlotte Flair afterwards. Cause she was part of that segment as well. If those two traded hands, I would not bet money on Charlotte Flair. No. Nope. Um, but, uh, so apparently people are getting annoyed with Charlotte. She's getting a little too big for her britches and having a bit of ego issues. Of course, people are speculating whether she'll end up in AEW cause that's where her fiance is. That's where her dad was possibly going to go until the dark side of the ring came out. Um, so now he's kind of in purgatory. Um, Jason, you have seen the segment. Uh, there's no heat on Becky Lynch. Apparently they were like, cause apparently Becky was yelling at her backstage afterwards, right in front of yeah. Vince. And everyone's like, yeah, Becky was standing up for herself and yeah. you know, there's no heat on her. Whereas everyone's like, yeah, Charlotte got escorted out of the building. If the reports are true. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so yeah, apparently we're having an ego problem backstage, uh, your thoughts. And then we're done. Well, I think that it, everyone's reporting that, and you got to watch this because it could be, it could be a work. I mean, you really got to. Really I think they're going to try to make it look like a work after the fact. But yeah, but the thing is that it seems to be a shoot that uh, Charlotte Flair is really being standoffish and bitchy, going into business for herself. Uh, the humility is completely 
not there whatsoever. And of course, everyone loves Becky Lynch, uh, fans, coworkers, God, you know, the devil. Everyone loves Becky Lynch. Everybody, everybody, the man, the man. And uh, they did this stupid segment where they're going to trade each other belts, which makes the the title uh, seem very well interchangeable and and worthless uh, without there being a actual fight to give the belts over. Uh, and they're you know if you if you said listen we can have a draft but you can't pick the fucking champions of the um, the respective brands that yeah, would make I'll say more this sense. Very, qu- very quickly as well, Jason. Sorry. Um, also, I will say not in defense of Charlotte Flair because it sounds like she acted very unprofessionally, but. In to give greater context, Charlotte apparently had offered to drop the belt to Bianca Belair so that she actually loses that title and puts somebody over that could really benefit from it in the process, which I think is would have been a better way of going about it. So it's not like Charlotte was refusing to like yeah. lose the belt or anything like that. She was apparently offering to drop it to Bianca Belair, which I think would have been the better move, and that was turned down. Again, both she and Becky hated the segment going into it, but Becky was still trying to at least get it done and charlotte was not not having it continue sorry about that well the thing is when you watch the segment it's about a seven eight minutes uh, segment you can watch on youtube it's readily available uh both through wwe and other posters um it, it, it's i think it's what it was a wake-up call to me is really how far gone the discipline has gone in 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 wwe because it's it's a bunch of people in the ring and i mean all of them it seems that sasha banks sort of is loosey-goosey in the thing deville's like trying to get something done but if you watch that seven minute segment you can tell there's just a lot of sloppy awkward unprofessionalism happening in that ring i'm not pointing fingers at you know any one direct person it seems like charlotte's more to blame than anybody but it really it just is a it was you know three possibly four females in that ring that were just not having it with each other and it was very obvious brett hart would always say that he never wanted to kick Shawn michaels ass in the ring legitimately because he said it would look sloppy and we're professional wrestlers and that's they didn't get into a fight but it looked stupid. Not only was the segment stupid, but their professionalism certainly did not fucking help it. And you can watch it from start to end. And when Becky's throwing her fucking mic down and saying, I'll go to Raw, I'll let you figure it out. It all seemed highly unscripted, highly un... It was all over the place, discombobulated. And to have a goddamn argument in gorilla position in front of Pritchard and McMahon, it like just have words and all and wants to like everyone wants to kick everyone's ass and they're blah 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 it was just to me like wow just one more example the wwe just does not have their shit together they do not have it the fear of mcmahon is slipping it's fucking slipping and no charlotte has many years left on her fucking contract so unless some kind of legal fiasco happens or they just kick her ass to the curb she'd still probably have a non-compete clause uh she ain't going to AEW. She got to make it work there. So I don't know what's going on. It does seem that she's gotten a little uh, egomaniacal and Vince will probably have to do something about that. But just the fact that that was allowed to happen and you should watch it if you want to see professional wrestling segment promo work done poorly. Watch it. It's <laughs> fucking horrible. And say- um, there you go. That's all I really have to say about it. I will say one thing that got misreported initially is my understanding is there's a bit where Becky kind of in response like throws her belt right at Charlotte. Apparently that was part of the planned, like that was a scripted moment and Becky was sticking to 
earlier it had been reported that that was done in kind of in anger and retaliation for Charlotte, like just trying to make her look dumb by dropping the belt on the ground. But apparently not. Apparently that was was a scripted thing that they had already previously, you know, set in in plan. But uh, yeah, it's a tough sit. It's an awful segment. The company should be ashamed of themselves. Yeah. That's our show for this week. There you go. Good job, Vince. One more doozy. All right. Well, Jason, I think we're both separately going to go fucking lay down. Get my hyperbaric chamber and try to recover from this goddamn day. God, I wish I had one. I wish oh I had a fucking God. bathtub. I'll just soak my head under it for the next like two hours. Anyway, uh, that's our show, Dozens. Let us know what you thought. I am Dave Beaudry. And I am still your Jason Bailey. The one and only Vanilla Godzilla. And we are one day close. God damn. We are one day closer to death, but that day is not. It will not be today. So until next week.